hey, friends, on Plain Spoken, I've been up front. I'm a Methodist. I'm a Methodist born and bred. I reclaim my Methodist heritage in seminary whenever I had to take Methodist polity, and I realized this is an amazing tradition. As I've said on in writing recently, I believe that Methodism is the closest thing to Pentecost from since the day of Pentecost. Uh, so I've, I've put a lot of time and energy into trying to, to not only understand it for myself, but actually to open this up to an audience. And so I've been really happy to be able to interview Wesleyan thought leaders like um, Matt Sickle and David Watson, and most recently Matt O'Reilly, all of whom have have helped me kind of figure out what are the essentials that we need to be reclaiming, what are the, the conversations we need to be fostering right now, especially with this nascent uh, denomination, the Global Methodist Church. There are people both inside of the GMC and outside of the GMC that are helping this conversation take place. There's, there's, there's the particular conversation that Matt O'Reilly is fostering with his restructuring, no, re, re, <laughs> reconstructing Methodism conference that uh, he, he's doing just for the GMC. But there is also just a pan-Methodist concern about if Methodism is going to continue into the future. What does it look like? What are the essentials? What are the distinctives? And to that end, one of the, the main thought leaders in this whole conversation is uh, Dr. Ryan Danker, who um, I've I've gotten to speak with a little bit before, but today he uh, he agreed to set aside some time to talk about some of the things that he has planned going forward. A number of gatherings uh, aimed at uh, building up and buttressing Methodism. So if you haven't heard of Ryan Danker before, uh, I'm going to read his bio and then I'm going to bring him on screen. He was named the director of the John Wesley Institute in October of 2021. He is an author, historian, and Wesley scholar committed to the Wesleyan vision. He has degrees from Northwest uh, Nazarene University, Duke University, and Boston University. That's my alma mater, by the way. Uh, his doctoral research, overseen by David Hempton and Karen Westerfield Tucker, ultimately became his first monograph, Wesley and the Anglicans, Political Division in Early Evangelicalism, uh, which you can find published in 2016 by InterVarsity Press. Danker edited Exploring Wesleyan Political Theology in 2019, and he co-edited The Next Methodism, Seedbed 2022. Um, Danker is currently finishing a monograph on the context of the evangelical revival and the Wesley Brothers' ministry in 18th century Britain. He has published articles in the Wesleyan Theological Journal, the Proceedings of the Charles Wesley Society, Methodist Review, and Wesleyan and Methodist studies. His popular work has appeared in The Living Church, New Directions, and Firebrand Magazine, where he's also an assistant editor. Danker has extensive work in ecumenical efforts, having served on the United Methodist Roman Catholic Dialogue, and now serving on the steering committee of the Wesleyan Holiness Connection. Danker has served on the faculty of Greensboro College and Wesley Theological Seminary. He has taught at Trinity School for Ministry and Virginia Theological Seminary, and he lives in Arlington, Virginia. So there's a lot to him. Very busy guy, hands in a lot of pots, all things Methodist. Very pleased to host Ryan Danker on uh, Plain Spoken. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you, Ryan? I'm, after hearing the bio, I'm exhausted, Jeffrey. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> all that stuff I'm is just in the last four years, uh, three or four years. So it's quite impressive. It's, it's, it, you know, stay busy or you'll, or you'll get in trouble. I think that's the, that's the, the motto. <laughs> yeah. Around here we say idle hands do the devil's handiwork, similar sentiment. That's right. Well, thank that's you right. so much for all your labors on behalf of Methodism. And I'm excited to see what, what comes of all of it. Uh, the, the reason I wrote you to begin with was I learned of the Mere Methodism Conference, which of course the John Wesley Institute is, is hosting, uh, which which you founded in 2021. And then there's also a School of Methodism that's coming up in February before that. And then there's also a uh, Next Methodism Summit that's like next week or in two weeks. So um, yeah, you're staying pretty busy. You're fostering a lot of conversations. Um, I, I wonder if perhaps we could just go in chronological order. What's the summit about next week? What's the, the oh heck, what was it? The School of Methodism next month. What's the uh, what's the difference between the three? I, I just want to hear like all this stuff that you're doing. What's the next week thing? All right. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening next week? Um, so the, the next Methodism summit two, um, since the first one was in January of 2022, this is the second gathering. The summit is an invitation only gathering for scholars, 
in the broad Wesleyan tradition and, and some church leaders, uh, in other words, bishops. Um, I always say scholars and bishops just to keep it short, but it's, it's a pan with pan Methodist gathering. Last time it was more, um, well, in 2022, the state of Methodism was a little different. Um, the majority of the, of the participants last time were United Methodist. Um, and we had some, we had, um, Nazarene, we had the Salvationist, we had uh, a free Methodist, and we had some others. We had some some Pentecostals, but this time it, it's an intentional um, gathering that's much broader and much more diverse in the Wesleyan tradition. Um, we have, of course, we have United Methodists, we've got Global Methodists, we have Anglicans, we have um, Church of God Cleveland, we've got... I'm, I, there's Free Methodist, Wesleyan, Nazarene, Salvationist. I'm going down the list of all these people. We have 80 people coming. Salvationist would be why. Salvation Army. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and that's Bill Urey who's coming, who's who's fantastic. But um, and I've heard of Church of God Anderson. I haven't heard of Church of God Cleveland, but they they are also a Wesleyan outgrowth movement. Wesleyan Pentecostal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so we have a few from there. Actually, we have um. We have members of Kojig, Church of God in Christ, coming. Okay. Um, another Wesleyan Pentecostal right. ch- uh, church, a black church in particular. Right. Um, so are these all going to be speakers, or are you just talking about the, uh, the people? Okay, the yeah. people who've been invited. Okay. They're invited to, to write a document. The, the summits are, unlike anything else, they are gatherings of scholars to write a specific document for the church. So Is this akin time, to what you did with the Faith Once Delivered? That's when we wrote it, was last time, January 2022. Okay, so we're looking at uh, potentially publishing an addendum to that? No, it's a new volume. A new volume, okay, new okay, volume. okay, I'm with specifically, you. Specifically on the doctrine of holiness. Ooh, that is yeah. needed. I, I yes. think that was insightful. Okay, so now I'm with you. Yeah. I think I understand. So how many days is the gathering? Three days. Okay, and then how it's many people very- presenting? Or are there even presentations? There are two keynotes. Okay. Um, this year, the keynotes are Kevin Watson and um, Warren Smith. Okay. So, um, so we have Asbury and Duke represented yeah. there. Um, we only have two keynotes at these at these gatherings, mainly because the rest of the time is taken up in working groups. We divide the the chapters of the document. It's already it's already been outlined very broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a drafting committee that works with me, um, and it's just as diverse as the denominational um, mix that I that I offered a minute ago. Mm-hmm. And we 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 created a, a a very broad outline. That outline is divided into groups. The groups have leaders, and they have about anywhere between eight and fourteen members, mm-hmm. depending on the specialty of the scholars in question. So there's a section on holiness in the Bible. Therefore, the majority, not all, but the majority of biblical scholars at the next summit will be in group. That's actually group number two. Mm-hmm. Um, so then what they do is they have these sessions throughout our time together to write that section together. Um, and why do we do it that way? Because everybody's like, well, why don't you just ask them to do it individually and mm-hmm. come together? Well, Two reasons. One, when you when you have people write separately and bring it together, it's more like a quilt that really doesn't. Yeah, that's work really very difficult. Well. That's really difficult. Yeah. It's that's choppy. Yeah. But the other thing is, when we have them write together in groups, it's conversational in nature, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. These documents are not for academics to talk to each other. It's to equip the church and specifically written to the people in the pews that they might understand the doctrine of holiness in this case. So, so uh, I don't sorry. I don't know if this is this question is in order or even helpful but one of the questions that the GMC in particular is trying to f- facilitate at this point is what are the essential marks of methodism that that determine an authentic methodist versus uh, someone who just happened to grow up in the methodist church you know um as as Nicky Gumble says uh being well, he, he says being born in America no more makes you a Christian than being born in a McDonald's would make you a hamburger. And similarly, there are a lot of people who have grown up in a United Methodist Church or another Wesleyan denomination, but just that because they've grown up or even thrived in such an environment does not necessarily mean that they are authentically Methodist. So you've invited a, a number of people. You know, I'm looking at the the faith once delivered right on the front, and you have the list of of all the people whose voices are represented in that document. 
there, there's obviously some kind of calculus that you do in your head. Is it is it more? These are the leaders of modern day outgrowth movements, and I just need to get all the leaders, and we'll work with them where they are. Or is there something going well? I've spent a lot of time and energy getting to know these different leaders, and some are more Methodist than others, and I'm going to get the Methodist of the Methodist, and we're going to distill uh, from these people I've already discerned to be authentically Methodist what what modern-day Methodism looks like. Uh, that was a bit spread out, but I, I am kind of curious about if these documents more reflect like popular Methodist leaders of the day, which may or may not correspond. Okay, you're you're answering the question. Go ahead. Well, I'm, so that there's a criteria, and the, and the reality is we haven't – we're not gathering every single Methodist scholar who should be invited. Yeah, um, yeah. I was thinking of some other day, and I thought, oh, it, this is happening next week. I can't call them and say, fly to, fly to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Next next time I will. But um, mainly – so the bishops are different, right? Bishops are their own. <laughs> They've always been their own thing, haven't they? Um mm-hmm. Uh, if if someone is a is a, a bishop or a, or a superintendent over a Wesleyan denomination, and they're interested in being a part of this, um, then I've invited them to be a part. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, like Linda Adams is a pre Methodist bishop, and she's going to be with us, and it's going to be absolutely wonderful that she's there. Is she the new one? No, she's an old one. Okay, there was a there was another lady that got elected bishop in the FMC last year, um, but yeah. that's not the one. Yeah. Okay, no. So um, that's just an example um, of, of, of that of the, that kind of leader. But yeah. for the scholars, one, they have to have a research doctorate, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be a, a PhD, a THD, a DPhil, somewhere in there. There has to have that. that that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why it's that kind of doctorate is that you, if you just say doctorate, you open it up to a whole flood. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, if they don't have a doctorate and they're like a dean of chapel, Right. Mm-hmm. Or if, if they don't have a research doctorate, but they're the dean of chapel or something um, or they or they worked in academia for years and years and years in practical theology and they have a deep man. Right. I can think of two people who are coming. Constance Cherry. Right. Taught for years at IWU. And she has a deep man because you know, she worked in practical theology. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, she's absolutely who I want to be there. In fact, I went out of my way to make sure that Constance was at this next summit. Um, otherwise, everyone has to have that that research doctorate. The, the, the third thing um, is that they have to they have to embrace the historic Nicene faith. You know, these are not people who cross their fingers when saying the creeds. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just not into that. Right. That's that's not something we're interested. In. Are they Wesleyan? Do they claim to be in the Wesleyan tradition? And is it obvious that they are? That's that's the next consideration, mm-hmm. which gets to your question of who's an authentic Wesleyan. Mm-hmm. I'm not determining who an authentic Wesleyan is with okay. these invitations. Yeah. yeah. Um, are they in the broad stream of, of Wesleyan thought? That, that, you know, generally, yes. Now, yeah. here's something that's interesting. And, and for the scholars that gather next week, this is going to be one of the biggest questions, is that there are competing understandings of holiness within the Wesleyan tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, is it is it grace upon grace becoming more like Christ, which is – that's classic John Wesley. Yeah. Or is it being baptized in the Holy Spirit and sanctified instantaneously? Well, that's John Fletcher or Phoebe Palmer. We're going to have those competing visions in the room. Mm-hmm. They're both Wesleyan, and we're going to have to figure that one out. That's going to be a big challenge. Would it be more—this is something I'm working on lately. I've always been more of a Wesleyan than a Methodist because of this problem of, you know, all all kinds of people are Methodist and what sets the standard for what Methodism is. But lately I've been kind of reversing my opinion and saying, well, within early Methodism, uh, there were only certain uh, ideas, theolo- uh, theologies permissible in that milieu. And so I'm, I'm wanting to— I, I guess I'm not wanting to be limited to the the personality of John Wesley, but mm-hmm. to the milieu of theological ideas that were permissible within early Methodist societies. Um, so it, I wonder if it makes more sense to to say that the holiness That's movement. Sorry, that's pretty broad, though. You think um, it's pretty broad because even like Reformed believers were allowed in early Methodist societies, and and perhaps that would not really be wise to permit in modern day Methodism. As um, an example, I think 
as an example, yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to we have to admit that there were Calvinists in the early in the early Methodist yeah. movement. Yeah. Um and, and mainly, I mean, yeah, there was theological diversity in early Methodism primarily because it was a movement to renew it an established church, um, much more than a denomination with its own set of beliefs and practices distinct to itself. Well, so I wasn't even planning on asking a question around that, but I'm glad to hear your feedback on whether or not that's a realistic uh, lens to use in reclaiming modern Methodism simply because it's too broad to necessarily generate uh, any kind of coherent theological identity that we could gather around. Well, maybe take the minutes of 1770. Mm-hmm. That if you want to, you know, if you want to be, a, a, if you want to still retain an early Methodist mm-hmm. um, flavor, anchor. Yeah. yeah, flavor or anchor, yeah. then you use the minutes of 1770, minutes of the conference, 1770 are great, and they reflect modern Wesleyan thought generally. They exclude Calvinists. Okay. Um, not that I'm trying to shoot at Calvinists. I'm, you know, well, that's I'm one very- of the main conversations <laughs> happening right now, and I, I think it's better to just say it out loud rather than um, not. You know, And there are, I know many Methodists, and sometimes I'm one of them, that is much more open to reform theology than than others who are just rabidly no, it can have no place here. We we are Arminians all the way. Um, so I appreciate that among many other conversations happening right now. And I I don't think I need to be a conversation leader there. I'm not as well read on that as I need to be. I, I get the sense that you are in particular. But um, when we're talking about authentically Wesleyan traditions, I, I've read you know John Wesley's sermons, and he does talk about. Um, uh, instantaneous sanctification, but he allows for it, but he's not exclusive to the gradual sanctification either. Uh, you're saying that that people, both. Bo- he, he, he was a both and, both are possible. Uh, those of the holiness tradition are much more in favor of an entire san- uh, instantaneous, uh, those more old school are, are more gradualist. You're saying both are going to be in the room next week, yeah. and you're going to be talking about holiness, where there are different. But you're saying both are Wesleyan, and by both that, by that you just mean that the holiness movement came out of Methodism, which is Wesleyan as well. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Okay. most of the most of the holiness movement was Wesleyan, not all of it. Right. Um, it it gets tricky when you look at movements um, uh-huh. because <laughs> movements have. <clears throat> Forest boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most p- people in the cur- current holiness movement, like Nazarenes and Free Methodists and others, would probably um, not associate so much with the Congregationalists and Baptists uh, who were a part of the, the American holiness movement in the 1820s and 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's, it's just broader. It's kind of like going back, back to early Methodism. Early Methodism was a bit broader theologically speaking. Yeah most contemporary Methodists would feel comfortable with. Right, yeah. So I'm looking at Faith Once Delivered again. All of these names on here, all of the names that are are gathering next week are academics. This is is something that you've said on the front end to even get an invitation. There there has to be a certain amount of academic rigor that you have gone through and and shown. So these, the Faith Once Delivered and then the the second volume that you're going to be generating out of next week, these are primarily to be seen as academic works and not necessarily doctrinal treatises that need to be presented to the GMC at their uh, convening conference later this year? Well, no, they're not academic treatises. They're they're specifically written, I mean, they're written by academics, mm-hmm. but the focus is to write something that is, is accessible to probably adults in your local church. Okay. Uh, I don't think this is good for, you know, using with the teens, unless you've got a particularly theologically adept teenager, perhaps. Okay. Um, and it's it's not, you know, when we were writing this, I was thinking, who should be my target audience? And I chose my parents. <laughs> my parents are very faithful Nazarenes. They're both college educated. Um, and um, I thought we need to write something that they could read. Now, I will say this. So here, here's one thing, and then I'll, I'll get to your second part about um, denominational doctrinal treatises. But mm-hmm. The Faith Ones Deliver is actually being published this month by Seabed. Okay, sure. As a book. Um, with can I can I hold on to my PDF? Sure, you can. Okay, thank uh, you. The um, <laughs> but the new one will have study questions, and it's what is it, 108 pages? It's a perfect little volume. Um, and 
And I realized that the first chapter on God can get pretty deep. Mm. Um, but I think the rest of it is written in a way that's more accessible. Uh, at least we had tried to make it more accessible, at least to an adult lay audience. Now, are we writing any treatises for any particular denomination? No, not at all. Um, this is a pan-Wesleyan uh, opportunity. It's an ecumenical opportunity. And we're writing to equip the movement, not mm -hmm. any particular denomination. Okay, okay. So people who are watching this and listening to you, this is not necessarily, it, it's it's generated by academics, but the hope is that it impacts more than academics, uh, laity within the church, adult laity within the church. If, if you feel strongly yeah. about better understanding your theological roots as Wesleyan Christians, these, this, this is being generated for you. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And, and the faith once delivered, for the people who don't know what it's about, is essentially an outline of Christian faith. Mm -hmm. It's a hundred pages outlining basic Christianity mm -hmm. um, from a Wesleyan perspective, or I, I've told some people with a Wesleyan flavor. Right. Um, and it was very specifically written. Um, in, you know, there's no footnotes. There's no, there's no rabbit holes. I, I told them they can't compare this theory and that theory and go down any, you know, do the normal things that academics do. Um, Same rules next week. Same with next week. Yeah. We're not going to compare, you know, what's the difference between John Wesley, John Fletcher, and Phoebe Palmer, and B.T. Roberts, yeah. you know? No. Thank you. <laughs> no. Thank you. <laughs> um, if the faithful want to go look up those four people, God bless them. Um, that's not what we're doing. We're talking about holiness, yeah. which means we're not talking about Wesley. We're talking about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's a really important Well, and that's a corrective that is often given uh, from lay people, um, at least online, is uh, stop talking to me about John Wesley. Talk to me about Jesus. Are we Christians or not? You know, so to get the orientation point correct right. is uh, uh, absolutely essential. Um, we might come back around to talking about Dale Coulter, but I didn't know his name until you told me he was added to the list of uh, the March gathering. And mm -hmm. I, I looked up a piece that he published on uh, First Things, and he was talking about the importance of the Trisiagon, holy, 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 in determining the character and flavor of, of the authentic church. And so mm -hmm. I think, I, I, man, I think that was really wise to focus on holiness for the next week's gathering. So I look forward to yeah. seeing what you guys come up with. Well, we want to equip the church broadly, but Wesleyanism itself, with riches of its own heritage. Yeah. Um, in fact, we've already decided the next summit will be about the Bible. So. Oh man, that's going to be a knockdown drag out. That'll be great. Yeah, I oh, I don't part of me wants to be there and part of me wants to be nowhere close. Luckily, I don't have a PhD, so I don't have to deal with that problem. Um, <laughs> one of my frustrations with the United Methodist Church was that they had broad language about the uh the mission of the church being to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, but they were never able to come up with a very explicit understanding of what a disciple is what it, what what a disciple looks like what the the defining characteristics are do you i mean of course you're not the only author next week there are several mm -hmm. but do you expect that coming out of next week's gathering that there is going to be a coherent picture of what holiness does and does not look like or do you imagine it, it'll be just a, a broader work that helps people think through it more faithfully good question um it's what it will what i hope it will accomplish is presenting what is the doctrine and what does it look like? Okay. Um, we're not going to spend our time on what it doesn't look like. Okay. Um, the, I think we've all, well, we're going to focus on the good. I hear you. I do. We're going to be very Pauline in this regard. Uh, focus on the good. Um, I got to stop you. Your understanding of uh, Paul was that he focused on the good and not the bad, huh? I'm, I'm abusing one of his quotes. Okay. <laughs> <One> of his... <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, but no, I, what I don't want us to do is spend our time listing out all the various ways in which we fail to be holy, uh -huh. or we think other people fail to be holy. Yeah, um, you know, this is not going to be a judgmental document in that regard. I hear you, but we want to positively assert that holiness or Christ-likeness, which is really what it is, mm -hmm. is possible in this life mm -hmm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that this is one of the reasons God raised up the people called Methodists in the beginning. And so to recapture that positive, transforming doctrine, I think is that that's the goal. I'm glad you summed it up like that. I think that's a very attractive thing to aim at. 
of course, you know, I'm, I'm more drawn to, uh, to argue for the utility of the negative and the, the discourse, but, you know, that's partly what I can do here. And I, I don't yeah. even need a conference. So, you know, <laughs> we'll right. hopefully complement each other's work. Let's transition right. to the School of Methodism in early February. How does that intersect with this larger pan-Methodist, pan-Wesleyan uh, conversation you're, you're fostering? What's the function of that one? So the School of Methodism um, is a day and a half, um, a day and a half long event that we have um, developed in order to take either five, five or six scholars mainly. This time it's going to be five, and and we're going to we're going to move the John Wesley Institute out of Washington D.C. out of the Beltway, and we're going to take this event to different places in the country. And I'm really excited that the first one will be in North Carolina. Let me clarify uh, that just real quick. You said, are you going to be hosting the same exact thing from place to place, or are you going to have different speakers at each place? Generally, we'll have the same speakers because I've got I've got a group of six who have agreed to help me with this project yeah, for the I'm, next couple of years. I'm at the website at wesleymemorial.org where they're plugging it, and they say the names are Kenneth Collins, you, Joy mm-hmm. Moore, Suzanne Nicholson, and Jonathan Powers. Yep, we've got the five, and at times we'll have Kevin Watson with us. Okay. Um, the um, what I did is I I I was down in South Georgia um, doing some work with some local churches down there in Albany, and I realized that there was this great desire to know the riches of the tradition, and mm-hmm. yet all these people are not going to be able to fly up to Washington to one of the conferences that we're holding here. And I thought, well, then we need to bring this to them. And so conversations started with Georgia, but they actually panned out first with North Carolina. Okay. Um, there are conversations, by the way, going on with Kentucky and with Florida at the same time, and even um, somewhere in Michigan. Um, but don't worry, we'll get to Oklahoma at some point. The, uh, <laughs> well, so this is also a pan-Wesleyan thing. This is not associated with the GMC? Correct. It's pan-Wesleyan. And it's targeting um, laity? Laity. Okay. Definitely late. It's it's funny though because I've got a lot of clergy signing up for this event in North mm-hmm. Carolina, mm-hmm. and I'm like I'm like guys, you are more than welcome. Um, and bring three lay leaders with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Um, and it's and it's it's a lot shorter. So like I said, it's it's Friday night and then Saturday until mid afternoon. It's a real quick kind of deep dive into specific areas of Methodist thought. So mm-hmm. or or Pan Wesleyan thought. So I'm going to do the history. Um. Ken Collins is going to do the theology. Joy Moore is doing the ethics of Methodism. Uh, Suzanne Nicholson is looking at the Bible. How do how do Wesleyans read the Bible? And then Jonathan Powers is looking at worship. Um, and those those five areas are going to be covered in about you know an hour, hour and fifteen minutes each presentation. So it's real quick, real quick dive. Um, it's more equipping and kind of setting the groundwork for these local churches and areas uh, for Methodists in, in these areas to begin to, d- to dig deeper. So this is an ongoing project going to be taking place in multiple locations. It has no terminating date. Nope. And no, does it, it does it have any uh, goals so far as how many locations you want to hit or how, okay, this is open-ended. No, no. It's beginning next month and it's going to continue forward as long as uh, these great five individuals have it in them to, to keep going together. Right. Well, and the, the reality is there are other people who could fill the all these slots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're not the only ones who know the history, theology, et cetera, et cetera, of the Methodist movement. Mm-hmm. But when I sat down, I thought, who do I want? I picked these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I called them and they all immediately said yes. Tell me about Joy Moore. I don't know her. Joy Moore. Joy Moore is is amazing um i see that she's also going to be at the mere methodism conference you say she's a professor professor of biblical preaching at luther seminary in minneapolis minnesota and so i know nothing else about her oh wow okay so joy i mean joy's been in the wesleyan world for a long long time um she's a past president of the wesleyan theological society she's taught at asbury and duke and fuller um she taught at iwu um, sorry, Indian Wesleyan for those who don't use the acronyms. Thank you. Um, she's currently at, at Lutheran. In fact, this year she's a visiting professor at Huntington College down in Alabama. Um, she is a professor of homiletics. 
and um, and has led has been just vital to recapturing a Wesleyan vision for preaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a United Methodist elder in the Michigan Conference, and um, a real treasure. Yeah, I I co-taught a class with her once that we held here in Washington on um, Wesleyan political theology. And that was great fun because we don't always agree on politics. <laughs> we agree on the faith, but we don't always agree on how it works out politically. And we had a great time, especially with the students interacting with each other in that class. So Joy can, Joy's, I like listening to Joy. Help, help me come up with a, an intro, uh, a fun sound bite for this one, and we can take it out if we don't like it. But I just put out a two-minute piece today on how um, Trump derangement syndrome is not at all <laughs> – it uh, doesn't comport with John Wesley's instructions for voting and speaking ill of, of rulers and leaders, uh, but that similarly this this pseudo-divination of, of Trump is is similarly unfaithful and not appropriate for, for Methodists. Yeah. Do you think that, that, that I presented that um, uh, in a, a faithful Wesleyan fashion, or do you think that John Wesley might uh, choose his words differently if he saw the singular personality of Donald Trump? Wow, John John Wesley and Donald Trump. Right? Um, yeah, I'm going to take the fifth on this one. Yeah. Great, okay, okay, that's fine. Um, let, well, so, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Okay. Way. You're right, you're right. Trump derangement and Trump divinization are equally wrong. Yeah. Christians shouldn't be doing that at all. Yeah. Um, if you look at Wesley's history of England, though, and when he really went after um, – the rulers of England, like he, he just referred to to Henry VIII as that tyrant on a regular basis. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a hard you know, time he, living up to his own words sometimes, huh? Right. Yeah. He, um, you know, he would have a, a very balanced view of Trump. I think you know he he might like some of the policies. He definitely would take issue with some of the the um, the ways in which. Trump's personal life has unfolded throughout the decades. No um, question, no question. He also yeah. he wasn't anything. He 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 had a popular religious movement that he formed, but my understanding is that he was not at all a political populist. No, no, not at all. Yeah, no, he, he wrote treatises on why most people shouldn't vote or shouldn't be allowed, <laughs> and why the Americans were wrong to revolt. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's come back to your conferences. So I'm going to sum up where we've gone so far. We have the Next Methodism Conference, which is an academic event aimed at benefiting the lady in writing with a document that helps them reclaim their faith in the local church. Um, it'll be a second volume to a, a first volume that was already put out. This next one, the the man, why do I not hold on to this term? The School of Methodism is going to be an ongoing event hosted regionally for anyone in those regions that wants to learn more about the basics of the Wesleyan faith. Um, it, it's It's a Cost is twenty five dollars per person. This is meant to be affordable and accessible to everybody. It's it's thought of with laity in mind, but clergy are also welcome, provided they bring some more laity with them. Laity, yeah. <laughs> and then third, we have in March, <clears throat> excuse me, the Mere, the Mere Methodism Conference, which yeah. you can uh, find talked about at nextmethodism.org. It's going to be April fourth through sixth at the Lyceum. I don't know where that is, but that's in Alexandria, Virginia. It was $75. It's now $95. So this is a a three-day event. Uh, The subtitle is Recapturing the Riches of Our Tradition. So obviously a lot of overlap here. It's another pan-Wesleyan, pan-Methodist concern. What's the difference between this? Well, first off, it's not invitation only, so it's not a private gathering. But it's also not regional. You, You imagine people from all over the country or maybe even the world flying in. Uh, to to learn from the presenters, and we've got a good t- how many presenters? Fifteen. Um, no, so, there's not fifteen. Not quite that many. I said one, two, uh, eight, nine, uh, and then you've added a tenth with Dale Coulter. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> since since I have so many things going on, I'd have to actually look to see who I've signed. I mean, I know in general, but I don't want to mess it up. Next Methodism. So we got two two preachers, Jessica Legrone and Bishop Darren Moore of the AME Zion, and yep. then you have six speakers that we can talk about in a minute, and then you're the host, and then I, I think you've added Dale Coulter as a seventh speaker. Yeah, because we, we lost a speaker just with some conflicts, okay. um, and um, 
and Dale Dale Coulter from Pentecostal Theological Seminary is um, um he's um I have to remember the terminology. Well, I'll just say he's a clergyman okay. uh, in the Church of God, Cleveland, and um, and a, a, a just a powerhouse uh, intellectual. Um, is an amazing person. I mean, every time I talk to Dale, I, I mean, we dive into. He wants to dive into minutia, but some thinker from the Middle Ages, and I'm going, "Whoa, Dale! Whoa, I'm I'm a modernist. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about Wesley or somebody in the 19th century." But um, well, let's he talk just about richness to him. Okay, let's let's talk about the Mere Methodism Conference. Uh, yeah. Have I summed things up in distinguishing the three things that you're doing well? What What do you think is important for people to know about? The Mere Methodism Conference, uh, who do you want coming to this thing? The Mere Methodism Conference is for everyone. Um, it is, so it's a, it's a deeper dive than the School of Methodism. So it's three days rather than a day and a half. The presentations are broader. Um, now, each of the people coming are presenting a 45-minute um, lecture presentation on new material, mm -hmm. on recapturing the riches of the Wesleyan heritage within their field of study. So I have... I have some biblical scholars. I've got theologians, historians, ethicists. They're all going to dive into where does the tradition, where in the tradition can we recapture the best of our tradition for the present day? Mm -hmm. Where, what can we glean from this to move forward faithfully? And it's, you know, we stole the name mere Methodism. It's, it's, you know, it's C.S. Lewis, mere Christianity, right? Um, mere Methodism. What is it? Well, it, it's, it's this rich tradition that we're, kind of looking at again in the face of, you know, kind of a, a, a an interesting period in American Methodist history, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. And we're saying, look, there's a lot of good here and we want the opportunity to dive into it. And so with mere Methodism, you have people diving into, for instance, Jason Vickers is coming from Baylor University. And I know he's going to dive into the sacramental heritage of the Wesleyan movement. And so his presentation will focus on that. Ken Collins from Asbury Theological Seminary is also one of my speakers, and he's going to dive into the Book of Common Prayer um, and how that has formed and shaped Wesleyan thought. Uh, he's look, specifically looking at Thomas Cranmer's impact on John Wesley, um, which should be very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, I, I don't have all the details from everybody. All the speakers haven't told me exactly what they're talking about yet, but I've told them, focus on your... Where's your expertise? Bring your expertise. Look at the tradition. Speak to a broad audience, mm -hmm. um, and that's mere Methodism. But it's like I said, it's a, it's a deeper dive than the School of Methodism. Other names, uh, and one of these is dropped out, but uh, on the website, Dr. Stephen Hoskins, uh, yeah. who's from uh, Tribeca Nazarene in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. He's a professor of religion. You got Dr. Absin Joseph. He's VP of Academic Affairs. Professor of New Testament at Wesley Seminary, um, Joy Moore, who we've already talked about, Jason Vickers, who you've already talked about, David Watson, um, yeah. who if if people don't know who he is, they're living under a rock. So um, good good uh, spread of thinkers there, and of course I already mentioned uh, Dr. Jessica Legrone, who's over at um, Asbury, and then I I didn't know who Darren Moore was. I've reached out. To a few bishops, actually, from the AME and AME Zion traditions, I've wanted to spread out and learn more about them. I've heard back from none, so I'm actually most impressed with you being able to secure uh, uh, Bishop Moore here. But that that's sure to be a, a very rich and fulfilling time. So, um, anything else to be said about this conference uh, that that you think everybody should know about? Well, I think you know it's a great opportunity. Um... And we hope that, I mean, registrations are still coming in. There's still a little bit more room. It's not going to be a huge conference. Um, we're capping it at about 130. Okay. Um, so the, what that means, though, is that you'll have the opportunity to engage one another, mm -hmm. and you'll have the opportunity to engage all the speakers. Um, this is the time we want for people to come and be equipped with the best of the Wesleyan heritage to take back to their local churches and to the, into their organizations. <laughs> And, and continue to um, shape and form disciples of Jesus Christ in the Wesleyan tradition. Yeah, there's That's clearly an interest here, and uh, it's clear that you and many others are listening. Hey, you know, we need to... If, if people are going to know this stuff, they have to be taught this stuff, and unfortunately a lot of uh, clergy like me uh, were not necessarily educated um, in that fact. I was lucky to have, even though I was at a hostel 
college, I had uh, a Wesleyan polity and, and a theology professor who actually liked Wesleyanism and actually taught what what it started off as, not what it turned into. And so, um, but you, you have to do this work of the actual education, and um, so the, the work you're doing needs to be done. The um, the if somebody wants to come to the mere Methodism conference, well, so there's the the School of Methodism, which enrollment is still open, right? Yep, still okay. open. And then there's the Methodism. So if if people live in the uh, oh heck, where's Wesley Memorial? At? Where's this one at? That's in High Point, North Carolina. Okay, so if you're in the North Carolina area, yeah, you've already said it. And then um, think about going to that. It's a it's a basic introductory thing. Mere Methodism goes a bit deeper. It's a three day event. It's in Virginia, yep. and that one's worth flying to. Well, they're all worth flying to, I'm sure. But this is this is designed for people all over to come to. If people want to go to uh, this to register to come, that's at nextmethodism.org, and they can enroll there. Yes, yes. Okay. All all the John Wesley um, Institute events and documents are on nextmethodism.org. Perfect. Okay. Well, so and as people are... Methodism, sorry. I'll say, I'll say about mere Methodism is it's specifically... So it's in Old Town, Alexandria. For those of you who don't know the Metro Washington area, that is definitely within the Beltway. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a really wonderful part of the Metro Washington area, and it's right by Reagan National Airport. So it's extremely easy to get in and out. Um, and there are plenty of hotels and restaurants and all kinds of things in Old Town, Alexandria. Uh, it's a, it's kind of the perfect place to have a conference. Cool. It's, uh, it's it, it was I don't know they they designed it in the 18th century, but it's perfect for you know our current day travel needs. Well, that's great. That's great. I'm I'm envious of those who can attend. I'm sure it'll be a lovely event. Um, I asked you know Matt Matt O'Reilly is is fa- uh, facilitating his his event and. Um, you know, a lot of people I think are curious, you know, okay, what's the agenda here? You know, is, is there, is it really as open-ended as it seems or the, the people and parties that are facilitating this conversation, uh, what, what's their, what, what are their hopes? What, what are they aiming at, at doing together? And Matt was right up front saying, here's my agenda. Here's what I'm about. Here's what I hope comes of this. Do you similarly have clarity about what you're hoping comes of this? What, what specific Methodist essentials are, uh, learned about and reclaimed for the present historical moment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my agenda is is that we have this massively rich tradition that we haven't been paying attention to, mm-hmm. and yet I think is faithful in pointing us to Jesus Christ. And if people come to these events, whatever whatever event we're holding with the with the John West Institute, and sure we can talk about Wesley, but we only look to Wesley as he points us to Christ. Mm-hmm. So if, in fact, they come to these events and they learn how to be a better disciple of Jesus Christ and more and more like him, then that's the agenda that I have. It's really that simple. We're not doing any denominational thing. Mm-hmm. We're not including or excluding anyone necessarily. We're just trying to put out what we think is an authentic form of Wesleyan doctrine and teaching and biblical exposition and saying, look, this is this is some of the riches of our tradition. And it's your tradition, and um, it's 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 there for the taking. That's the that's the reality about the Wesleyan tradition. It's not hidden in, you know, Latin texts and the secret library somewhere. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's actually very. If you if you can speak English and read English, the Wesleyan tradition is wide open to you. Mm-hmm. It was actually designed to be carried in your heart, for goodness sakes, <laughs> and it's and it's still that way today. So if we can open the floodgates for this historic tradition to be experience today, then that's my agenda. So it, I, I it, listening to your words, I can imagine someone coming away from listening to you saying, man, Dr. Danker really doesn't have any agenda so far as any doctrines he wants us to reclaim, any cultural distinctives he wants us to have. He really just wants us to have the conversation, review the the, the primary sources, and and reclaim whatever we want to reclaim for the future. Is that is that a faithful rendering well, of your sentiments, or do you secretly, or maybe not so secretly, harbor a, man, I really hope we reclaim uh, Wesleyan sacramentalism or uh, uh, a certain posture towards holiness or uh, nothing like that. You you just want to have the conversation. Well, well, let me put, well, it's not just having the conversation because there's content to it. Okay. Um, but my first goal is to open the doors of the 
of the of the tradition. Okay. Second of all, I think when you do that, yes, you realize there are, there are some distinctive things about Wesleyan thought. First of all, the gospel is for all people. Okay. That that is that is one of the hallmarks of Wesleyanism. Christ did not die for an elect select few. He died for all. Um, the love of God is is poured out on all people. Mm-hmm. That is very much at the heart of everything we do. Um, second, you mentioned sacraments, but let's start with holiness first, or even let's start with grace. Here's one thing that Methodists talk about all the time, and yet most of them can't define the word. What okay. is grace? If I said you know? the unmerited free gift of God, does that hit all the right bells? No, no it's very reformed, Jeffrey. The um, <laughs> Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. That was Wesley's short definition. It's a dynamic, active, relational reality. And that's at the heart of, of Wesleyan thought. When you dig down, you realize grace is dynamic. Why? Because it's the actual power of God's Holy Spirit working in you um, and working in the world. He gets this, by the way. He doesn't. He didn't create this. This is just prayer book Christianity right out of the Church of England. Um, with that understanding of grace, um, what is holiness? Well, you know, that's a bigger question. I can't just give you one little... <laughs> line like I can't sure. raise. Yeah. But holiness, recapturing the idea that yes, you can live a life of freedom from the power and guilt of sin now. That's Wesleyanism. What does that look like? Well, it it th- that's a larger question. Mm-hmm. Does it look like Jesus Christ? It absolutely looks like Jesus Christ. That's true. But it's still a larger question. Sacraments, yeah. I I mean early Methodists believed that Christ was present in in the Eucharist. How? Well, Charles Wesley wrote it best. A- you know, angels gather around the altars trying to figure out how this is possible. Yeah. And even they don't. We don't know either. Again, that's just Anglicanism, by the way. <laughs> um, but recapturing the idea that Christ actually wants to meet you at his table and invites you to it. That's very Wesleyan. And I think we need to get back to that. Baptism, sacraments. Yeah, baptism does something. It's not you proclaiming to the world what you think. It's actually God working in you to cleanse you from original sin. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, there are basic things in the tradition. I would say, this is what it says. Um, are there ways to talk about it intelligibly that might be slightly different than what I've just said? Sure. What I won't do, because I'm a, I'm a classic liberal, Jeffrey, uh, is I won't cut off conversation. Mm-hmm. And I will engage people who disagree with me. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, is there is there an agenda? I mean, I have my perspective on it, but yeah. I'm also... So I'm speaking at the School of Methodism. I, with mere Methodism, I'm not speaking, and I'm not going to tell these scholars what they can and cannot say. I wouldn't dare. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know these people. Uh-huh. Um, and the thing is, I want them to be able to connect with the audiences in ways that's not just about my perspective anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the tradition is bigger than me. So that would be... Is that a is that a more point? No, yeah, that was that was very helpful actually, and I did not at all expect the corrective on my definition of grace, and so I'm going to be mulling that over for a bit. I had not ever had anyone highlight that that is more reformed in nature than what Wesley would be okay with. Um, and you said the summary of what grace is is the power of God. Power of the Holy Spirit is his short answer. Um, so grace is the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, yep. It is not the unmerited free grace of God, or free gift of God. It does say that it brings pardon and peace, but I think what, what what the way we need to look at it is, so grace is multifaceted, and the thing is, there's also there's also free grace, uh-huh. and then there's cooperative grace. So there's different ways in which we engage grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, sometimes God works without our cooperation. Oh yeah, yes, you know. So, um, so grace is is a complicated thing, but it's much more than unmerited favor, which is a distinctly reformed perspective. Okay, and I think what we need to do as Wesleyans, and we could have an entire conversation. Oh, I'm sure. Yes, yeah. As Wesleyans, we need to we need to recapture the dynamism and relationality of grace, because that's what really propels the doctrine of holiness. What I what I I'm trying to imagine what it's like as like a lay person listening to you. I mean, I don't know how many are going to make it to the end of this, but but to to hear what I'm saying and and go okay and hear what you're saying and then what's the difference? You know, how much of this is distinction without a difference, and then how much of this is substantially different? I think what I'm interpreting from you is that 
the Reformed understanding of grace is quite two-dimensional when it's actually much more textured and beautiful than what, what you often get from a Reformed simplistic understanding of grace. That's exactly right. Cool. Well, there's, I'm sure, tons more that we could talk about, but your yeah. time is valuable and uh, short. You're doing, you're juggling lots of things and uh, for the good of Methodism broadly, and I just want to say thank you. Anyone who spent time with us uh, uh, learning about what you're doing and what the opportunities are for potentially gathering with you and other scholars and leaders, um, what's what's a closing thought you think would be good for them just to be thinking on or praying about as they're continuing to participate in their local churches and grow in faith? Well, I, I want them to know that the, that the tradition of which they're a part is, is deep and rich. It's... Um, it's available to them. It's not. It's not hidden. It's accessible even on the internet. You can, you can read John Wesley's sermons. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll need to get used to the 18th century language, but you can do it. Um, it's as, it's easier than the King James. So yeah, you can do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the key. I'll just I'll just give you the key. Sentences were longer in the 18th century, mm-hmm. so just keep reading to the end of the paragraph before you know. That, that's the biggest difference, and that's always helpful. Mm. Um, the reality is we have a vital tradition that points to Jesus and that has a history of bringing people into a transformative relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, it's here. Um, we don't have to imagine that it only took place between 1730 and 1790 when Wesley was on the earth. No, mm-hmm. um, that tradition continues and it's vital and it's beautiful. In fact, and um, it's something that we can participate in now. And the events that the John Wesley Institute is putting together are all aimed at the laity to try to equip them with this beautiful tradition that is theirs. And so if 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 you're listening to this and you're, like you said, in North Carolina, uh, go to the School of Methodism. If you want to fly here to Washington the week after Easter and spend time with me and these other scholars that mere Methodism, then we'd be just honored to have you. Perfect. Well, I think that's a great place to end with that invitation. Friends, uh, it's been a joy to, to host another conversation with a person that's a lot smarter than me. If you want to, I think you should, if you didn't know who Ryan Danker was before this, just keep an eye on him. He's obviously been fostering a lot of influential conversations with influential people. Uh, he concerns about a lot of things. He concerns himself with things that that a lot of lady care about, that I, I personally care about. And this is a conversation that needs to happen. This is not just for global Methodists, but I am a global Methodist. And as we approach our convening conference, we need to know what we're about and and what we're not about. So I'm going to continue to foster the conversations on this platform that I have. Uh, I'm going to try and uh, work with Ryan to generate one of those cards with Wesleyan essentials that he feels strongly about. I've, I've generated these for David Watson and Matt Sickle and Matt O'Reilly, and, and I've got my own. I'm hoping that there can be uh, kind of a, not necessarily a consensus, but more of a, a shared understanding of what Methodism is and maybe even isn't in the future, and I, I think that would be to, to everybody's benefit. So, Ryan, thank you so much for, for you're doing a heck of a lot more than me, and uh, I'm just really impressed with the work that you're getting done, so God bless all of that. And uh, any any final words? Okay. No, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is fun. I always I, I enjoy visiting, and uh, friends, if you've been blessed by it, then make sure to like it, and then uh, subscribe if you haven't already, and then comment and share it with a friend. Uh, I'm hoping that that these conversations are influential in their own way as well. So uh, God bless you for spending time with us, and, and I'll see you later.